Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Ryan Hoover and Dalton Caldwell. Ryan is the founder of Product Hunt, which was in the YC Summer 2014 batch and was acquired by AngelList. He also invests in startups through his weekend fund. Dalton is a partner at YC, where he runs admissions. You can find Ryan on Twitter at rrhoover and Dalton at Dalton C. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hey, How's it going? Doing well. How are you? Good. Good. Um, all right, Ryan. So for those of uh, our listeners who don't know who you are, what do you work on? So started a company uh, five years ago almost, or actually just over five years ago, called Product Hunt. Places discover new products. You see a lot of makers and, and companies launching their new apps or their new products to the world. And kind of like Reddit or Hacker News, you have people commenting, asking questions, and upvoting what they think is most cool. Mm-hmm. And Dalton? Uh, I'm Dalton. I'm a partner at Y Combinator. Uh, I'm also the head of admissions. Um, so that's the selection process for who we fund. And I actually worked at YC, uh, when product hunt was in YC. And so I remember it, um, from the inside, uh, kind of what the story was. Were you there for the interview? I was not, I did not interview him. Nope. Do you remember who it was? Uh, yeah, it was Sam. Uh, who else was it? It was such a blur. It was, (laughs) it was 10 minutes of just rapid fire questions. And I was like, all right. Anyway, I can't remember who else it was. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Cool. Yeah. So Dalton, uh, I think he has a question for you to start it off. Yeah. So maybe to start with, like, because I remember it so well um, from being there, walk me through from the formation of Product Hunt into applying to YC into getting into that interview that is already a blur. (laughs) You're already not sure who's there. Um, Walk me through the... Was I there? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, That's a very common thing, by the way. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. People don't remember them that well. Uh, so it's not just you. This, okay. I hear that, I hear that a lot where they, well, there's a lot of anxiety when you go into <laughs> it, frankly. And, and, you know, you try to, well, someone gave me this advice actually during YC is before you do anything like that, before you do a pitch, pump your chest physically. It might've been Kevin Hale that said really? this. <laughs> yeah. I, I could be wrong. So sorry, Kevin, if, if I'm putting words in your mouth, but there, there's a, a step where you can like pump your chest physically and that act of physical nature of like doing something that feels like a little bit aggressive can inspire some confidence in a, you know, it's actually, I may have done that a few different times, you know, throughout my career. I'm not going to lie. I've never heard that advice before, but yeah, that was, try, okay. Try that was in, uh, Jordan Peterson's first rule in his book. It's a uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Ah, uh-huh. anyway. All right. Uh, okay. So you blacked out during the interview, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, what else was the process like? Yeah. So let's see, where can I start? Um, so product hunt, I'll, I'll do the beginning really, really quickly. It started off as a side project and it was right between startups. I was leaving in another one and kind of tinkering and interviewing at other startups. Uh, started product hunt. It started off as an email list, got some traction there that then turned into a website. And we looked a lot, a lot of inspiration, like Reddit and Hacker News and other communities. And like, how do you, what systems uh, do we want to take inspiration from? How do we want people to engage? And so we, we built that, that got some traction and it's probably four, I want to say four months after the email started and when the website was kind of operating, it was still a side project. It was not incorporated. It was still like a, a thing I woke up every morning, super excited about and found my mind continually 24 seven focusing on it, but I still didn't know what we wanted to turn it into. And then it was around the four month time period. I, I actually got a DM from uh, Nicholas from Algolia. Yeah. They were in the previous YC yep. batch and I interviewed them. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was, that was a good pick. They're doing well. Uh, he DM me and said, Hey, Hey Ryan, uh, you know, 
a lot of people in YC are, are using Product Hunt. They're they're launching their products there. Uh, Gary Tan would love to meet you. Have you thought about joining YC? And it was the perfect time because I was sort of at the crossroads where I'm like, well, what do we do with this? You know, we could keep doing it as a side project. We could uh, make it a company. If you make it a company, how do you how do you build? Uh, do you raise money? Do you not? So a lot of a lot of questions. So I initially said, oh, I'd love to meet Gary. Uh, we went to the Grove on, I think, Mission Street. And my questions for Gary were pretty transparent. I was like, hey, Gary, this is working. Here are the numbers. I love doing this, but I'm not sure I want to take VC funding. And I'm, and if I go into YC, if we do YC, does that mean we're on that path? And, uh, Gary, Gary said something along the lines of like, well, when you strike lightning in a bottle, that doesn't happen very often. And I'm, and I say that not, arrogantly it's not that like product is the most amazing best thing in the world it's not um but very few times in your life do you build something that is like wow there's something there that is true and that advice stuck with me and, and gary was not ever he never pressured me to say you should do yc or you should raise vc funding but that that advice or that feedback was really insightful because he's right it's like is am i ever going to have a time in my life where i build something that is starting to show some sort of traction. That's something that people want ultimately. Do you remember what the growth rate was when you applied to YC? Yeah, we, if I'm not mistaken, I think we were like 50% month over month. Um, and that's not counting like with hundred users in month one, but it yeah. was like over the course of a few months with some, some users. And so it was, and actually going into the, the interview, um, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but we, we found out some things that worked on the growth side and a lot of it was very manual. Me hmm. basically emailing makers and founders and tweeting at them. And I found out that when I messaged them, they would join the conversation, they would share, and that would drive more traffic to the site. And so there's a nice flywheel effect that still exists today. And when I discovered, when we discovered that, I was like, well, shoot, let me just do that more often. And let me do that as, as fast and as quickly as I can going into the interview so that I can say honestly in the interview, yeah, we have 50% month over month growth in the past like three months. And, uh, and so anyway, that was having those types of metrics gave me a yeah. lot more confidence. Uh, you know, I didn't have to pump my chest or maybe I should have, <laughs> uh, but I didn't have to pump my chest to feel confident going into the interview, even though it was, um, kind of anxiety inducing because mm -hmm. it's such a quick process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I've had similar conversations with folks like the one Gary had with you. And sometimes what I do is actually discourage someone from doing venture financing. Um, if they have a side project working, especially if they're making money and they never will have like they can support themselves on it and they yeah. can basically have the job forever and you have this like cool freedom that so yeah. many people dream of yeah i'm sometimes like hey like keep doing that <laughs> like yeah. like you you're living the dream the grass yeah. is not greener on the other side um and if you do want to decide to raise money um just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons that you're really excited about it not that someone told you to, or you're seeking approval from, from authority figure, you know what I'm trying to right, say? Like right. you wanted to come. And so what it sounds like, what was good in your case is you were like very on board, um, versus again, sometimes you see people being pushed down this path where they have something working mm -hmm. and then they, they regret it in the future. Yeah. Um, because it's they a feel one like way they gave away a good right. job, right. Or yeah. a good lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's this weird thing, right. Where you think like startup equals software, right? So like, because I'm making profitable software, therefore it is a startup. But it can equally be a small business. Yeah. And more well, likely it is. Semantically, you can call it a startup too. I just, maybe it's like the VC yeah. line in the sand. It's not for everybody. And especially like, I really respect, there's so many great indie software developers building like Mac software. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, they make a good living and like, 
Yeah. They got it. I think they have a lot figured out that other people don't. Yeah. Uh, and so those people, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is, I think you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the, the thought process that went through my head. And so there, there was a scenario and I was trying to imagine, well, let's see if first off, I didn't have much in savings and I'm not an engineer. And so that was one of the, the things mm-hmm. is, well, I need people to help me to build this thing and build out you mm-hmm. know, this roadmap that I have in my brain. And, and so one way of, to do that is you get money to pay them. Well, how do you get money? You could do it through VC or you can, you know, make money in the product itself. Um, you know, there's other, other means to get money. Um, uh, but I was certainly evaluating, well, what if we never raise VC money? What if I could pocket $20,000 in my pocket per month on 100% of the business? <laughs> That'd be amazing. And isn't uh, that what Wirecutter did? Do you know, do you know the Wirecutter folks? Yeah. It, didn't they yeah. bootstrap it off the affiliate links and yeah. never raised it? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I, they, it's possible. I don't know if Brian and team raised, maybe they did a friends and family, I'm okay. not certain, but they never raised like a real like VC full round. Yeah. And, and that was 30 million. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he did Something very like well. Um, yeah. 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 He did very well. There you himself. go. Yeah. And, and even look at uh, what Gabe's done with, with TechMe, which has been around forever. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, Ben, it's, it's basically a, a, a force and like a, a thing that everyone in technology knows about. I use it like, every day. Yeah. Constantly. And it doesn't, he hasn't raised money. And, it, and if he did raise money, it, the product would change dramatically. They'd yeah. have to figure out, um, they'd have to figure out a lot of things to change it from what it Probably is. Probably have today. to throw conferences. That would be my guess. I've actually Probably. talked to him about this. So yeah. Um, I don't yeah. think that would be his first choice, but, um, yeah. I don't think it Gabe doesn't seem like the conference kind of guy. He does not. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this no. is, this is a little bit of a tangent, but what did you think of, uh, when indie hackers started to come up? Because that mm. was a little bit after product hunt and it's very similar and it's within this exact niche. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking more and more about in my head, I, d- I describe it as like maker communities and I would put, um, you know, product hunt in that category, indie hackers, LPath, um, is certainly one of those. And a bunch of others. And these are sort of communities that are designed and some of them are verticalized around a specific, uh, uh, function or whether it's like dribble for designers, stack overflow for engineers and, or it's demographic based like LPath for women. And there's like this whole ecosystem of maker communities on the internet. And I find it really fascinating because it's, it's largely built into the thesis of product hunt, which was always, well, I love discovering products. There's uh, like this cultural relevance and interest within products and technology and more and more people are building products. In fact, in the next five years, we're going to see a ridiculous number of products being built, partly because it's more accessible. It's easier. You don't actually need any money to build anything. Anyone with the motivation and, and internet access can like build something. So um, I'm going off on a tangent a little bit now, but I, I see indie hackers is, is certainly filling this, this sort of niche in this focus around like bootstrapped entrepreneurs. And mm. that's like their focus within this kind of maker community ecosystem mm. for me. And what Cortland's done is, is great. I've, uh, you know, I've, I've participated in the community. I've been on this podcast. I'm seeing him tonight, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, which is funny. Um, okay. but yeah, I love what they're doing. Um, okay. But, but not all companies that go through YC ultimately raise money afterward, right? Like Zapier is a good example. That is of that. correct. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and they predated product hunt, right? Mm-hmm. So I think kind of what Dalton was alluding to, like, so you had this like point where you could have raised money or could have not raised money. Mm-hmm. And so demo day, like, why do you decide to follow that path? Yeah. So the, the story with, with us going through YC. So we, we raised, uh, around, around the same time we got into YC, and part of the strategy was one, we're building something for the tech community and strategically it was important or, or rather beneficial for us to get a lot of notable tech people involved. 
So we raised money from uh, like GV, Greylock, uh, SV Angel. They were the first check-in, a um, bunch of other like strategics. And um, and having them involved was just helpful to have like the support community. And granted, we probably gave up more equity than we needed to. We raised a million um, before like going into YC before demo day when we were targeting like 400K. But we got great people around us. And and then fast forward through demo day, um, Mark Andreessen reached out kind of in the middle and he'd been following it and was interested and we met up and and that happened. And then three or four weeks later, he contacted again and, is, and this was pre-demo day and it was it was sort of, uh, you know, how, how are things going? And I knew what that meant. Um, you know, they were interested in, long story short, they ended up doing a, a, a Series A like preemptively. Like we were pretty early, especially for Andreessen Orts to do that that mm-hmm. type of round. But the the metrics are great. The the vision, or rather the the opportunity, massive, and I felt that it was it was better to, uh, you know, work with a great firm and raise more capital now than risk in six months raising with maybe not as good of a firm with maybe not as strong a numbers, and that money then would allow us to continue for several years, you know, building the company and hiring and, and building out what we want to want to build. And so I think my perspective working at YC is your experience was 100% a side effect of the lightning in a bottle effect you had and is not at all representative with 98% of the people in YC. Mm -hmm. That is just not how it happens. And the reason is people don't have buzz or excitement. And because you're a community, they were participating in the community. And so it was very hard in that era, you know, everyone was using your site. And so you see these things sometimes when there's social products that take off. Yeah. Um, everyone is on them all the time. I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah. I can think of where <laughs> there was like big things that were hot yeah. and then everyone got excited about them. Um, but like it's it's fascinating hearing you say that because like seriously, that is no one's experience. Like <laughs> that is like 1% of the batch has that experience. And the other thing that I would say is like those aren't already always correlated with the companies that like do really well in the long term. Yeah. I'm trying to say it in mm-hmm. a nice way, but like yeah, when no, you see these yeah. and it's usually cause someone has like a hit yeah. on their hands. And so all the investors like circle around it and do all this extra work to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at like a great example, I like to talk about is Coinbase. Like mm. he couldn't raise from anyone. I think he got like half a million bucks. Yeah. They, Is that 2013? Uh, winter, uh, summer 12, summer 12. Oh, wow. And so, so like, early, yeah. there's companies yeah. like Coinbase where like yeah. they couldn't get people to return their phone calls yeah. and like yeah. couldn't, I think couldn't put together that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like as a long-term investment, when you love to be an investor in that, I, you know, <laughs> like I was, a, <laughs> like, I think the price was pretty good. And so we, yeah. so what we yeah. see from our side of the table in YC is like, excitement around the core product or, or feeling like other investors are excited about it and things like that definitely give a founder like yourself tons of leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I actually have learned to not take that too seriously as an investor, as a signal for how the company will do. Mm-hmm. It's more of just like, Oh, you know, like people like scooters or something, you know, <laughs> there's other examples of these hype cycles happening. Yeah. Um, and to try to like, remember that it's the long term things that really matter like mm-hmm. retention and growth and revenue. And those are, those are super predictive at demo yeah. day. So, yeah. so anyway, I just like, I remember that too, when you were, everyone was like so excited about product hunt and everyone wanted to work with you and they put tons of work into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, other founders probably were like, why can't I be that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think part of the challenge is, is 
you know, some of the best investments are somewhat contrarian. So Coinbase being a great example. In 2012, you know, crypto and that whole world was just like a totally different era. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the best investments oftentimes. And he was a single ins- founder at the time, right? Oh, was he? Yeah, he was a single founder. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, when he was at Dimitri. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I didn't know it was like Brian Armstrong, like just Brian. Bitcoin had, guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, cool. Like, yeah, I'm the well, Bitcoin guy and I, it's just me. So yeah, like he had yeah. a lot of. It was not a slam dunk at Demo Day yeah. for, for Coinbase. And it's, it takes some <laughs> conviction for like the future. The people that did invest saw a future of crypto and, and what it could become. And so they, they placed a bet on him. And that's, that's where I think maybe it gets challenging is if it's already super hot, then there's probably also a lot of other companies competing for that same real estate. And I think maybe product is probably not the best example because we're not, uh, it's not like a Lyft and Uber situation. Like it's not like we have a zero sum game when it comes to competition with other, other companies, but, um, yeah, I think that's, that's true. Uh, and I've seen, you know, there's some, I'm trying to think back on the batch and who's, who's, yeah, who, what, what, what were you summer 14? Summer 14. Yeah. 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 So I think, uh, Ginkgo is extreme. Like they probably have hundreds yeah. of employees. They're, they're, they're a biotech company. Again, like I think they raised fine, but there was not this like hot buzz. Oh, Ginkgo Bioworks. They're from Boston. They're, yeah. you know, they're doing synthetic biology. Yeah. Like, like I don't think yeah. Mark Andreessen was cold emailing them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like who else was in summer 14? Um, there were the nuclear companies. Remember the Octo and the, the, the fusion and the fission company were in summer 14. Um, so there was like yeah. stuff like that, but it would, it would be easy to forget. And this is also why what's fascinating working here, man, is people think that YC funds consumer companies. And this is what yeah. our bread and butter is. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I think it's like 5% consumer. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Product, people think that most of product hunt is actually consumer as well. And yeah. it's, it's probably, I don't know. 50% at most is consumer. There's a lot of B2B stuff on yeah. there. Well, I mean, they're just the loudest. Well, right? but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Everyone yeah. remembers, yeah. oh, product hunt. That makes sense. Right. Like Reddit, Reddit like yeah. Dropbox, yeah. Right. Airbnb. Right. But man, if you actually look at the data, which is my job to do, um, a huge percentage is like good old fashioned B2B enterprise. There's a lot of hard tech these days. Um, mm-hmm. and people just don't think about them. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're not good businesses. They're, just, they're less fun to talk about than. And they just don't maybe under, like, I don't understand biotech. Like yeah. I, it's, it's less exciting for me simply for that reason. Cause I just don't understand it. <laughs> Wait, and you don't know where the market's going, right? right. Where you, like when you think about Airbnb, you're like, Oh, I could see myself doing that. Yeah. And then you just start doing it. So I'm curious, Dalton, about application surprises on your end, because I think like both of you guys having done investments as well, you can understand like, the market gets like really frothy and you're like, maybe I don't want to do that deal and I have to be principled or maybe you do do the deal and that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. What were the companies that we were like, I don't know about this. And then they went on to be like quite successful. Um, well, there's a lot of famous cases of people that we fund and then that end up pivoting into something wildly different. And that ends up being pretty good. And yeah. so my, my example that I had a front row seat for was Brex. Um, I funded them to do a VR headset thing and i was i was a credit card company yeah well i didn't Um, know that and (laughs) they i was i interviewed them i was the group partner i was their main contact through the whole thing and you know they um they didn't know a lot about vr headsets i think they (laughs) (laughs) like and you know that's fine it sort of came out during during the batch and during office hours that you know perhaps they might want to (laughs) consider something they knew more about and they had prior built something sort of like Stripe for Brazil when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea was like, hey, maybe you should work on uh, some fintech stuff that you that you know more about. 
And it was like, well, what should the product be? I'm like, well, what can you sell to people in your batch? Like you should talk to people where they want. Oh, like, and so the credit card thing just kind of came out organically. Hmm. Um, and that was like six weeks before demo day. Wow. And so there is, wow. there's no way you could have known that the folks working on the VR headset idea that didn't know much about hardware, um, we're going to end up being a pretty good company. Yeah. Um, so you were just surprised. You like the that caliber was of them as yeah. engineers. Like and, and right place, right time. And lo- you know, like That's there's true. lots of people that are, that are super high caliber. But that was one where certainly there was not a lot of hype about their VR headset idea. Yeah. And, I, and they could have just gone all the way through it. And I don't, I think it would have been a struggle. Do you remember what that conversation was like? Because I think this is a it's a super common question we get for the podcast. Yeah. Like people who change their ideas. What were those conversations like with them? What was the progress looking like? Did they even have a product? They did not. Um, okay. I think they ran into some pretty fundamental issues that they didn't know how to fix and they didn't know how to get around them. They, they hit, they hit a, a roadblock. And I definitely did encourage them to maybe, in a very nice way, to maybe <laughs> like – well, I always encourage people if they're thinking about maybe pivoting to go more towards something they're deep experts in that they yeah. know more about and yeah. not less about. Yeah. Right. And so you knew all about community. Like you were in the right place for you and you yeah. still are. Right. So you, you want to find a good like cohesion of a founder doing something that plays to their strengths. Sometimes people pivot into stuff that they know nothing about. And I'm pretty sure that is not correlated with success. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> it's like if you try to pivot into biotech. Yeah. You'd be, be like, oh, like biotech seems <laughs> Don't cool. Don't fund me. Um, yeah. Product Hunt is, is like, Product Hunt is me in many ways, for yeah. better or worse. And it's, it's just what I love. I love products and, and it's yeah. what me and my friends were doing. And so it felt, it was just fun. And actually I, I tend to, when I talk to founders or people who want to start a company, sometimes people overthink it and they're like, I need to start a business and I need to think about markets and everything. And I'm just I, like, change your frame of mind. Think about it as an experiment or a side project. And when you put your, your frame of mind of like a side project, first you, you start to, you start to settle. Most people start to settle in, well, what would I want to build or what would I, what could I use? And it's just a lot better way to start, I think, personally. So do you think there's a way to play it over again where you could have, should have, would have monetized or expanded faster? Cause again, this is, especially yeah. if we're talking about yeah. non venture funded things, it's not like a choice if you're bootstrapping about whether or not you charge for your product, right? Um, and so, Mm-hmm. Just like, where would you advise yourself? You know, say you have a time machine, you could advise your younger self. What yeah. would you have told yourself around monetization? It would have been like, you know what? Wouldn't change anything. Like, yeah. that's a valid option. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one of those things because there's a lot of mistakes I made, of course. And, and so I, when I think about the mistakes, I think, well, I should have done it differently. And then there's another part of me, though, that thinks, well, with the information I had at the time, I probably still would have made the same decision. So the reality is I don't think things would have changed. And it's also hard to know if I did that, would that have actually been worse than what happened? And totally but, fair. So the things <laughs> that I, I, I think we made a mistake on that I, I take responsibility for are a few different things. One of them, one of them is we should have dedicated a little bit of time and focus on revenue. Hmm. And in the beginning, before we were funded, we were, you know, I was paying the Heroku bill out of my own credit card and it wasn't expensive, like a couple thousand dollars a month, maybe at one point. And I was like, well, I don't want to pay this. So let's like do job ads. Yeah. And so we did job ads and made like $4,000 a month. So not much, but like there's clearly like very easy money. Like with our community, it, was, it wouldn't have taken much work to make a little bit of money to increase our, our mm-hmm. runway ultimately. The challenge is always, especially with consumer kind of focused startup is as soon as you start making money, then VCs will start judging you based on that revenue today. And so strategically, there's some challenges there, which is an unfortunate byproduct of, I think, how how a lot of investors think. Um, Yeah. For what it's worth, I would always tell someone like to make that money. 
Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I wouldn't yeah, judge yeah. someone for having small amounts of revenue. Um, yeah. I, 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 if this was in someone's application, they're like, yeah, we're making this money from job ads. That would be like, cool. Like, yeah, makes sense. Very right. smart. Like it, right. I would in no way, um, cause me to be less psyched about the company. If I read that in like an application or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, trying to think of a scenario where that would be hurting their company. Like if it, maybe if it was affecting growth negatively somehow, right? Like yeah. giant banner ads for jobs. And, and like, I, yeah. I feel like in a lot of media companies, what people end up starting with is affiliates. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so certainly that's how Wirecutter works. Is like if you click on the thing and you buy it on Amazon, they get mm-hmm. like three percent. And it is very hard to build a huge, huge, huge company doing that. But it certainly helps when people are doing communities or things around discovery. Right. That's a pretty tried and true way to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's, there's, there's a difference between like a job board, but then if, if VCs, if investors perceive it as, well, that's, that's the, the business model and that's the mechanics of how you're going to yeah. make money. And if it's not impressive, then they will be potentially less excited. It's this weird, it's this weird game, um, that you have to play. Um, so one thing would be make money, uh, extend runway and, and start proving out some ideas early. Cause taking, making money takes a while. we, we focused on that last year and now we're profitable. Yeah. And so that was like our number one goal is just, you know, let's, let's cover our costs. And, and that just took a while, it took a lot of experimentation well, to get there. And to push on this again, I'm just picturing back in the batch, you kind of could have gone deeper on products, like really deep on just tech products and done like, mm-hmm. I don't know, partnership. There's ways you could go deep on that. I remember there was ideas to expand to discovering other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And like you can discover yeah. a game. I don't, I don't remember the current status of that feature, but game, like games is one of those. They were talking about diversification ones. about the kind of stuff you discover. That's one way to do it. The other thing you've done is use the traffic you have and bootstrap, um, things like a job board or there's a scenario where you you literally could have become angelist, right? Like you could have gone really deep on that. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can like, it's your company, but I could pitch like, five different scenarios where you could have sort of zeroed in on what you were most excited about as a founder. Mm -hmm. And by going deep on those, it would become more evident if, you know, those are all wildly different companies I just pitched, but Mm -hmm. from that lightning in a bottle that you had, Mm -hmm. you could have like gone deep on one of those. And it seems like your decision was to stick with the core tech product thing. And you wanted to be really thoughtful about your community and I remember there's some redesigns. I don't know. Like walk yeah. me through how mm-hmm. you, like when you had all these options on the table, strategically how you decided what was exciting to you. And it was like, yeah, we're not, I don't want to do a job board. That sounds horrible, yeah. which is a very good, you know, yeah. I think I would agree with you on that statement, but yeah. you could have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have made very easily like 30 K or something at some point, you know, yeah. a month without for disrupting sure. the user experience for that. You know, we, so uh, I do remember the slide that I presented at demo day actually with sort of the, the long, I think it might've been the last slide, which was like the future vision, which was, okay, we're starting with tech. That's like our core longer term. We want to expand to uh, gaming. I'm actually from the gaming world before all this. And so I've seen the challenges of game discovery for consumers, but also yeah. for people making games and could have so, built steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could like, have done indie games, you know, like, a, like a platform <laughs> agnostic steam kind of community actually is yeah. like that alone is a huge business on its own. Yeah. And fashion. And like, we even, I'm, I love music. I love discovering music. Like that's even an area. So we were thinking initially at one point, like let's, let's build that really, really amazing community initially. And then let's expand and replicate this model across multiple verticals. And that actually still to me is super exciting. And like, yeah, I was so like, awesome. I remember the slide and I was like, wow, I'm like, yeah. I was convinced, right? I was yeah. like, this is definitely like, because you had this initial kernel, it's so hard for founders that start where they can never get traction on the first product. Mm-hmm. Then you can't be creative. And, but you had, 
you had this like excitement and kernel and capital. Mm-hmm. And so like, I was like super excited. I remember the demo day. Pre- I was like, man, I remember talking to you in like the green room or something. Yeah, I'm like, man, that. I'm like mm-hmm. super psyched. Like this is yeah. like, you know, like I just remember being really excited on for you and like being like, this is yeah. Like, well, there's a lot of enjoying it. I think it's, I, I don't forget. I forget what I exactly said, but it was like, I, wow. too, but I remember seeing in the <laughs> green room. And, yeah. And, and everyone has like, you can imagine Venn diagrams. Everyone is, is interested in multiple things. Like I love music and I love games. Yeah. I love tech. That's like my Venn diagram. Someone else might love fashion and beauty and tech. Um, and so the idea was like, let's take all these circles and like slowly expand to like every kind of product category. And the, the learning though, there's a, I was a little bit naive, I think, in thinking that we could quickly replicate mm. communities in these different verticals. And the, the nature of even just game discovery is quite different than product and tech discovery. And so in hindsight, we, we tried to expand too quickly mm. in the beginning. We didn't properly build a, like a core solid, like gaming community. That was the first vertical we moved into. We did gaming, then we did books, and then we did podcasts. Yeah. Cause podcasts also mm-hmm. suffer from, a discovery and community definitely. problem. Um, and that is a very common YC application idea. Really? Podcast. Oh, yeah. Podcast, everything. But definitely podcast discoveries in there. People send it to me every batch. What do you think of this idea? There's like, <laughs> like reference yeah, every other I mean, one. Dozens yeah. of companies. Yeah. Uh, it's very common startup. Very, tar- very hard. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we we learned what, what happened is we ended up having almost the entire community was still focused on tech and their their frame of mind for using product was tech and, mm. and tech products. And what resulted in in just very little engagement in these other kind of side communities, and we were unsuccessful in getting them spun up to be like their own standalone like community where people could, you know, find the best games or, or really visit on a daily basis for that type of content. Do you, do you think you have a template now of how you may have done that in the past, like? the right people to hire, maybe even create a new like name. It's not called product hunt anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We talked, we internally talked about like game hunt and like expand, even buying hunt.com and like expanding out that way and kind of making it more general purpose. And I think this is one of the questions where it's in hindsight, I would love to see how this play would play out, but I don't know if it would work. Yeah. And one scenario is we would build out a separate domain entirely. And yeah. what that would afford us to do is create an entirely different experience designed for gaming, which would be more visual, more videos, more imagery. Uh, it might, well, it would require people to have better ability to focus in the, the platform that they use, whether it's mobile or Xbox or PlayStation or whatnot. And that's a very different experience in browsing. I feel like you're so good at community. I can just picture you could have used like really cool video reviews or you would have had like the equivalent of the maker. Like I, I can like see it, right? Like I guess it's part of my job, but like just you (laughs) describing them, like, yeah, that would be very different than all the other video discovery things. And Mm -hmm. like, that sounds really useful. Yeah. Right. There's nothing like that right now. And, and (laughs) still like somebody should build it. Um, what we're now focusing on is actually doubling. So that was one horizontal approach. Go really wide, build, you know, a network of properties potentially, uh, instead, what we focus on is let's go deep because actually as, as big as this is, this is also really big, yeah. you know, focusing entirely just on technology because who doesn't have an iPhone first off or like an Android phone? Mm-hmm. You know, there are some people in the world, but like more and more people are adopting just a smartphone in their pocket. That alone, every person that has a smartphone in their pocket could be a user or product hunt. doesn't mean that we've designed an experience for everyone today, but the market opportunity and, and uh, you know, the influence of technology is increasingly growing. So We've, we sort of honed in and I don't know, three years ago, probably honed in on that, that direction and said, let's go deeper into technology and focus on that vertical and focus on our bread and butter instead of trying to spread so thin. Yeah. I mean, so going deep there, like sometimes people go up market where they're like, okay, we'll also do this thing for enterprises and you could have helped people discover 
enterprise software. And man, mm-hmm. that sounds super lucrative. Again, so I, I can't yeah. help but like brainstorm on the stuff. So I'm just thinking yeah. through, you know, back in the day when you had everything lined up and ready, yeah. were there things that you could have been excited about that were not selling out your vision of what it could be, mm-hmm. but that would have like allowed you to, to go super deep on this. Cause again, you have yeah. resources now, but it's mm-hmm. a different setup than if you were like trying to build a company that, you know, could employ a thousand people or become the right. you know, future of everything. Um, yeah. So one thing that was suggested early, early on by a few of our investors, cause their, their lens as an, as an investor and investors were using product hunt to find and stay up to date what's cool. Yeah. And a few, a few different investors and people suggested, Hey, you should start a product hunt fund. Yeah. You should build a fund on top of product hunt, invest in, use the data in the community and everything to source and find really early stage opportunities. And I was pretty adamant as, as tempting as it is to explore that. Cause I've always been interested in investing pre product hunt. I don't think it was the right direction. This is where yeah. I personally just don't think that was the right, that would, would have been the right outcome. It would have actually changed product hunt dramatically into yeah. a much different type of business and kind of be more like angelist potentially than again. This is what I was saying is like there was a way yeah, you could have from your starting point could have actually been angelist if you went down mm-hmm. that path. Um, yeah. And so yeah. again, I'm not even saying it's the right one. There's also like Kickstarter. You could have been like, Oh, let's help people like, you know, imagine that you could I remember those experiments people did where if enough people took an action, it would unlock something launching. Do you remember that? There was like a uh, hype machine did that. A hype machine did that. like a bunch of sites like 10 years ago did this stuff. Yeah. But, um, you would create collective action around people's launches and either help them actually sell products or monetize their products mm. or get their initial user base. Mm-hmm. And I know you do beta testers, right? That's pretty cool. Aren't you already doing Yeah. That? We, we've experimented with some things and yeah. then we sort of built a, a tool for people to collect beta users, okay, like cool. emails and, and that, that kind of thing. Cause like there's ways that instead of taking equity in companies, you still could have provided like pretty deep services deeper mm-hmm. than just click on our, my website and maybe sign up. Yeah. And like, I think mm. people would have happily paid for it. Like for sure. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter now, but like, I'm just like super fascinated on thinking through just what a great thing you had and all the ways, like, like I've been in Silicon Valley a long time mm-hmm. and it's just like these little micro decisions mm-hmm. that is a difference between, you know, Huge Facebook difference. being Facebook and MySpace or yeah. like, <laughs> sites we haven't even thought of like i don't know yeah tagged remember that and like high five and like i remember all these like yeah, i remember the founders yeah. were all those companies yeah and like they were there we were you know um but little micro decisions um have really huge effects over time yeah and, and i'm fascinated by that and i think part of it this is a challenge going back to the money thing too when you when you do raise a lot of money and you feel like you have infinite runway uh, you should treat it like you don't <laughs> and truthfully there's some things that that i i prioritized on the team because I wanted it myself, like some redesign work that we did, which redesigns are oftentimes a trap. Like there's times when you want to do redesign work, but oftentimes it's realistically not going to change your numbers all that much. And especially with something like what we built, where we have a community of people, like people really don't care if the upvote button looks a little bit shinier, like they're going to use it or not because of the content and like the conversation, the people there. Remember all the dig redesigns? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. Although dig, <laughs> dig, I don't blame them for the, the 4.0, I think release was the one that really had a problem. Um, I think that direction was, uh, directionally like intuitive. It was moving, it was when Twitter was taking off and like, how do you build something that's even more, um, accessible and builds more, um, retention loops th- through following and that type of thing. I think there's some good ideas there, but it's hard. Communities are really hard too. Cause oh, yeah. you know, they don't like change. <laughs> they <Yeah>. don't, <laughs> they don't. And we've made changes that the communities has been uh, upset about. And some cases we reverted, some cases we let them get 
used to it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think this is a very real problem. Like a lot of venture back companies don't have that same sense of urgency that, you know, like indie hacker type companies have. They're like, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, I could work on a redesign for the next month or I could like optimize my sales funnel and like make, you know, a hundred thousand more dollars. Mm-hmm. So now that you guys are within AngelList, you could be a little more slack maybe. So like, how are you creating that urgency? Like, what are you focusing on right now? Yeah. So we have, so last year and we have three KPIs actually that we, we measure, uh, revenue is one of them. That was our number one priority last year. Not because we are running out of money. It's because we just want to build a model that can scale and cover our expenses. And so we're, we hit profitability last year. Second metric was just user growth. How do we get more people using product hunt? And the third is community contributions, and that's measured by the number of people upvoting, commenting, contributing. And that that's important because it's basically the measurement of health. If we have nobody upvoting, then we have nothing. <laughs> so we want to make sure that's that's good. And this year we're switching it around. Revenue is not the number one priority. We're switching towards user growth and we're focusing on kind of a couple different themes. One of them, one of them I can't share uh, too many specifics on, but it's a lot about focusing on how do we help people find the best products or the products they should be using. So product has always been about the new products come here, open up the website. You discover things that you never would have searched for because they didn't exist yesterday. And it's kind of a place to get like a fire hose of new cool stuff. But a lot of people, in fact, probably more people in the world have a greater desire to find the best products for specific things. Mm. And it could be something like I, I switch from Android to iPhone. You know, what apps should I be downloading and using and exploring? Some of it might be, I'm starting a new company. What's the best analytics tool for this budget, for these needs? Um, so really focusing on, on this and building out like a true product graph is kind of what we're moving towards. And so that's one theme. Let's, let's solve for that use case. And when, by the way, when we build products, we, we have a pretty good process down where we'll have usually one engineer to start with on it. And they, they drive the project forward alongside like Julie or Dan on the design side. And so we're able to like do a lot of projects at once, which some people might say is a bad thing, but for us, it works really well the way we're set up. And so that's one thing we have going on. Then we have going back to maker communities. We want to focus more on the social networking kind of side mm. of product hunt and, and technology and making itself. Mm. And we've kind of experimented and, and dabbled with some of this, but we're, we're starting to hone in on something that I think is going to work. We'll see if it does, uh, around virtual coworking. And I don't think I've used cool. those words uh, publicly at all, but there's this, the people who are most engaged on product hunt are working on side projects. They're freelancers, they're remote workers, and they're just really curious and eager. And they have desire to one, meet other people like them, get help from other people that are maybe have a different skill set, whether it's design or engineering. And, and also there's a, an aspect of loneliness too. If you're working on a project by yourself, like, and especially if you're not in Silicon Valley or like a, a tech hub, like where do you go? And so we want to build out ways for people to do all those things on product hunt and really support this like future maker kind of ecosystem going hmm. forward. Hmm. Yeah. I see uh, YC applications along those lines of basically remote work is a big trend mm-hmm. and people are trying to think about tools and like any, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of ways to attack the problem, but for sure I'm very familiar with excitement around making it easier, better, faster for folks that are working remotely all over the world to work together and collaborate. Yeah. So yeah the tooling, I mean, we got Slack, mm-hmm. but tooling wise, there's not a lot of, not much. I mean, there's not much. Ryan and I both talked about this. We we're both in long distance relationships. Yeah. Right? And he was yeah. like tweeting about it. Like, what are the solutions people are using? And yeah, like, the, it's super hacky. Tooling. Like, WhatsApp, FaceTime kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah. 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 And there should be like this. Uh, the, the other realization is I think some people forget is 
most people also don't have a large following online, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And when you're building something and you want feedback, at best you ask your friends and your friends give you really terrible positive advice because yeah. they don't want to hurt your feelings. And so there's, there's like a greater need among this giant audience of people to, to have some sort of support network while they're building and exploring. Yeah. So I was curious about this. So there are a bunch of questions, basically people asking for advice on like what makes a a successful product on product hunt. And like, did you guys ever consider going in that direction? Like more educational content for, for your users? Yeah. I mean, we have FAQs and like how to's and things like that, but we've never, never really gone deep into the educational side. Cause I think this kind of goes back to what we're saying. Like there's many different things that we could build for product hunt. And as much as I'd love to help educate people, it's not, I think a core focus for us. Um, but yeah, I think the general advice really, when it comes to like people ask me all the time, how, what's the best way to launch a product hunt? Sometimes it's just simple advice. Like, Make sure the imagery is really clear. The tagline is really clear. Um, you know, bounce it off a few people that don't know you or don't know about your product and speak like a human, not like a marketer. <laughs> you know what I'd love to hear about is an example of your favorite company that's ever launched on Product Hunt that you're most proud of, almost like that you helped enable their success. And maybe the reverse, but I realize you can't. But just like, what's an example of no one specific, but just how someone can get to number one on product hunt and have a good launch. And then actually like they didn't make so many people want and they churned everybody and like what you've learned and internalized about someone with a great launch that in it sticks and they really go off into the stratosphere Mm -hmm. versus kind of like, Oh, people checked out my silly thing. And then there's nothing there. Like I'd love to hear that. There's kind of a couple, there's two different things that come to mind. Uh, One more recent actually, and this isn't a startup actually, it's not a company. But it's there, there's a number of um, kind of self-described like indie makers mm-hmm. or, or people who are just eager to build things, not necessarily to make money. Sometimes they do, but sometimes it's just to build things and show it, show it off, and like be creative and explore. And we do this thing called Golden Kitty Awards every every year, which kind of nominates different products in different categories. And we have one category for like Maker of the Year, and we sort of take a look at all the upvotes and some data from the past year to determine who that is. And, um, and I apologize, I might be forgetting his name, but it's Andre, if I'm not mistaken in Europe, he, he won maker of the year. And this is a, a younger guy who learned to code a few years ago, uh, launched in his first product a couple of years ago on product hunt after learning about 30 or 60 days. Uh, and then since then he's just, he's almost like he's got the bug. He's got the bug to build. And I, I like to think that at least product hunt helped in some way in mm-hmm. giving him feedback. Cause otherwise when you build something, you spend all this time and no one uses it, no one sees it. Uh, it doesn't mean that they have to like use it forever, but like getting some sort of feedback loops is so important when you're building something. He, he now has since built and launched tons and tons of different products. And, and I was happy to see like he won maker of the year and he even recorded the video, put it on Twitter and was like, thanks everybody. <laughs> like so <laughs> happy. Yeah. Um, so there's like the sort of heartwarming, like, it's great to have a tiny, tiny piece of, uh, in supporting these like future, well, these makers or maybe future founders of companies. Um, but then going to a company example, one that really sticks to mind is Meerkat. Uh, do you remember Meerkat back then? Of course. In the day? Yeah. So I, I've gotten to know Ben. I actually saw him last weekend. Um, the CEO of Meerkat now house party and Meerkat was such a, an awesome, it, it, it takes so many boxes that were like perfect in terms of, the, the messaging was really clear. It was, I think the tagline was something along the lines of, uh, uh, broadcast live video to your Twitter followers. So it was very specific actually. And the product design was, was built for leveraging the Twitter graph, which I think today still is underutilized actually. And 
quickly it rose to prominent, like blew up. Everyone was using it for a little while. And the, the problem was that the product itself was not retentive. And, you know, most people are really bad, including myself at live video. It's just really hard to create good content. And to watch live video, you have to watch it when it's live too. So there's like all these challenges with the product when it comes to retention and being something that works. But what they did realize kind of within that is some people are sort of hacking it and using Meerkat to hang out with friends. And that's what ultimately like inspired House Party, which is an app. You open it up and you and your friends immediately are in like a video chat and you can just hang out and mm-hmm. chat. And it's solving this like underlying desire of connection and and being together with like people remote and, and your friends maybe back at home or your girlfriend or whoever. Hmm. And um so that was just like an interesting example because it blew up immediately and and uh yet at the same time it required Ben and the team to be thoughtful and like honest with themselves. Like they could have run they could have run out of money and run the company into the ground if they were persistent in, in um thinking that this would work, that Meerkat would work as it is today. Yeah. Instead, they had to change. That's really smart. Like, yeah. And that's a great example we were talking about earlier, like knowing where that decision point is. And it, they didn't, it wasn't like a hard pivot where they did something radically different, but mm-hmm. clearly, yeah. You know, I, I'm really curious now, Dalton, you've probably read like, what, 10,000 applications? I've read a lot of applications. An, an infinite amount of yeah. <laughs> all of the applications? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just kind of connecting the dots now, but like both of you guys basically like review products all year round. And I'm curious, like how much time do you actually spend on product hunt and like in your YC application reading mind? Like, are you filtering through it in the same way or are you just curious about, oh, this is a cool side project. I'll try it out. I think the most important thing that I look at is how serious the founders are and if they really made something and showed it to people. And so it's almost like it doesn't matter if the product is good. So many people that apply aspirationally maybe want to build something someday possibly. Yeah. But for the people that are serious enough to really make something and be brave enough to show it to other people and be willing to take all of the like, you know, it's really scary to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. when you see someone that's actually made something and they're willing to share it with the world and they they show that commitment, but they're serious about it. I, I very much am paying attention to you and I care less about like the scale of the revenue. Like I was saying earlier, I care less about if the design is really good. Like those things are nice, but man, if the difference between someone that's serious and not serious is all the difference in the world. Does that make, and so how do you evaluate that in applications? How do you know well, if they're serious? You can see if they've done something yeah. like, again, like, do you even, do you have a prototype? Do you have a first user? Mm-hmm. Have you made a dollar of revenue? Like, again, it's very, it depends on the type of, company it is but Mm -hmm. you can see the difference between hey i want to raise money before i work on this yeah (laughs) that's a certain sort of thing and that's not really our our necessarily our bread and butter um and then the people that you can tell that they're going to work on their dream no matter what with or without you Mm -hmm. and that you can hopefully help them in some way and again i would put you in you did it like no one like no one told you hey, you should go make product hunt. You should make this email list. Mm-hmm. Like you weren't trying, I don't think trying to please investors. You were just trying to do something you thought was cool. Yeah. And like that was the kernel of goodness that you had, right? Like you figure that on your own without mm-hmm. authority figures telling you to do it. And mm-hmm. like that's really special. And that's a huge signal. Yeah. One one thing I've been thinking a lot about is I, I was fortunate in that I I had been working at a previous company for three years. After three years, I was like, I gotta I gotta do something different. Mm-hmm. I gave notice that turned into a part time role actually. So cut my salary in half, worked twenty hours a week, 
that gave me plenty of time for product hunt. So I was lucky in that I, I could financially support myself as I was tinkering and building. And a lot of people just don't, especially in San Francisco. And I've been thinking more about this challenge and maybe it's, I'd be curious if YC is thinking about this, but like, how do you, how do you give people that opportunity to quit their job and give them six months or 12 months, whatever the time is to do that? Cause you know, you can do a lot of nights and weekends and I think people underestimate that, but uh, there's also some people just have challenges and like having enough totally. time to truly see something through without quitting their job. Yeah. So in startup school, which is the online course thing that we have, anyone could participate. You definitely don't need to be full time. Um, there's even for a small percentage of people that are really serious, we give them grants. Mm. Um, I think this is all on our blog. Yeah. yeah. But mm. like there's how much do you give? 10,000, 10 grand. Yeah. To everyone or just, just uh, certain. I think ones. we did a hundred companies. Yeah. Oh, wow. Last so, time. you know, again, we can't, can't be for everyone, but those are yeah. people where they were really serious. They were really yeah. working hard and we, you know, mm-hmm. um, that could be really helpful to them. And again, yeah. the whole point of startup yeah. school was like, even for people that haven't quit their job, it gives you a chance to be serious and structured in your thinking, right. put it on your calendar and make progress. There's so mm-hmm. many people that want to start a startup and whether or not they quit their jobs, they never like begin. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's so kind hard. of what you were alluding yeah. to. Like a lot of people, man, like would never even think about, I should go part time. I should go mm-hmm. 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people never get the confidence and never feel like they're good enough mm-hmm. to do the thing. So like startup school is awesome there. Yeah. But for you, what, like what motivated you to be like, eh, you know what? I can do part time. I can make this work. It was. It was more that I, I just knew, I just knew deep in my heart that I needed to do something different. Cause I, I was, I felt like I wasn't learning. Uh, and I love, love the company, love the team. Uh, but it, you know, there's certain moments, I think in everyone's career, people who have worked with me, you know, that have transitioned out, you know, it's been a, a, a good transition because I saw like, I get it. Like I know why you're leaving and I know why it's maybe not a good place for you anymore. So for me, I just, I forced myself <laughs> and I, I, I initially was just going to leave entirely and not do part time. And I was like, I have a little bit of money saved. I'll figure it out. And, uh, maybe I was a little bit, I don't know, naive in that sense, but it did work out. And, um, you know, there's a reason why I actually named the fund. I started weekend fund though, too, because I, I think a lot of amazing companies and, and amazing things can be built on a weekend if you can afford the time. And I think a lot of people tend to, now I don't want to, uh, uh, some people have families, some people have yeah. financial burdens. There's like mm-hmm. things like that that certainly are debilitating. But I think for a lot of people, there are no excuses not to be working on the weekend and like trying and making some progress. Yeah. Well, if you want to do a startup, not everyone, like it's not for everybody, but like too. if you're, yeah. if you're curious, you have to start. And man, does that screen out a lot of people if they don't like start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and the progress too. There's something about, as, as I speak with companies and look at uh, now from an investor side a little bit, progress is like everything. And just even if it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, 50% month over month growth, but I've invested in companies after following them for even just two or three weeks have given me more confidence based on what they're shipping and how they're interacting with their users. And those types of small micro like day-to-day um, uh, interactions uh, really matter a lot. I mean, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.